Coming up on today's edition of Making Sense of the Sens, the crew remembers Dion Phaneuf, talks about what to expect from Marion Gabrick, and some changes to the Senators' front office. Okay, this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. Hello, Sens fans, and welcome in. It's episode 33 of Making Sense of the Sens. I'm Ross Levitan. Alongside me today, Brandon Piller. What's up, guys? And Jeremy Houston, who's fiddling around with the board. He'll be in, in momentarily. Chris Parliament's welcoming his girlfriend into town, so he won't be with us today. But we've got a lot to talk about with the first trade leading up to the deadline. Pierre Dorian pulling the trigger, sending Dion Phaneuf and Nate Thompson to Los Angeles in exchange for Nick Shore and Marion Gabrick, everybody's favorite player from 2006. Now, if this trade was was down in about 2006 to 10, we'd be talking about it forever. But Brandon, at this point, it kind of looks like just an exchange of money. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's no surprise that this ha- deal happened when it did. And last podcast, we were talking about potential deals and... This was the deal that I talked about that I wanted to happen the most because it, it's a it's a money deal and it's really there's not much hockey sense to it for either team. Well, maybe a bit for LA, but for the most part, it's a money deal. It's moving bad contracts between the two teams, and I I think it's a good good job for the Sens. That is it's exactly what they needed. Dorian just got his extension. Uh, Eugene Melnick obviously told him one of the biggest priorities for this team is to shed some money, and that's what this deal did. It's funny that you say 2006 to 2010, this would have been a big deal. So I was producing our show uh, yesterday, and I went up to John Shannon with the rundown, and he goes, the Dion Phaneuf trade should be the number one story of the night. This is huge, huge news. And I, was, I, just, I pretty much talked him out of it. I was like, nah, it's really not that big of a deal anymore. So... <laughs> Depends who you ask. I guess if you're asking a guy like John, who's a pretty pure hockey guy, it's still a big deal. We wanted to go with the Raptors instead. Yeah, that's fair with the way the Raptors are playing. But okay, so it's episode 33. So a couple of my favorite number 33s, Jason York back in the day, and Jakob Silverberg, who unfortunately only played 48 games for we the Ottawa Senators. just Tenders. talking about Silverberg. Silverberg? Well, I was a huge, well, still am, a huge Silverberg fan. I like his game. And... More recently, well, currently, is Freddie Clayson. Now, with the subtraction of Dion Phaneuf, we figured that it would be easy. You just slot Clayson back in the lineup. He's been a healthy scratch the past few games. But instead, called up is Ben Harper, who just signed a two-year extension, one-way deal for the next couple of seasons. Is this a surprise? Not at all. Who is the next guy up? Well, the, just the fact that Clayson was already on the England. team, you could have just put him in, but instead they're calling up a guy and putting him in over Clayson. Right, but now they still have Clayson there just in case he doesn't play well, right? Harper can go to the press box if he doesn't play well. Clayson can come in. They kind of did that earlier in the season between the two of them anyways. And we were talking to Mr. Lajoie earlier, I was, and he said that's uh, Harper's up now for the rest of the season, which, you know, with Dion gone, there's an open spot, a big open spot. He's the biggest defenseman physically out there he's pretty much the only I guess Burrow uh Borvietsky's out there but and there, there's talk that Harper has been dominant is what Guy Boucher said at the AHL level and uh the beat reporter that we spoke to Joel was saying that 
Um, he, he is one of the best defensemen in the American Hockey League, so it's a warranted call-up in terms of that. But the the other side of it is Freddie Clayson's in a contract year. He played for you in the playoffs last season. He's a regular on the team. Why is he being so overlooked? Yeah, I, I really don't understand it, Ross. And I've said it before. I really liked Freddie Clayson's game when he was playing with Carlson. And since Mathada's left, it's been the constant question, who's going to be Carlson's partner? And tonight, uh, Brent Wallace, Twitter, it looks like Carlson is going to play. And they've got Johnny Oduya slotted up with Carlson, which makes me just want to cringe. Did, did you guys see the fake Pierre Lebrun tweet this morning? Oh, there was another one that got caught? Oh, people, uh, Hugh Burrow was telling us the people at Sportsnet were freaking out about it. They were like, prepared to roll with it. What was it? No that way. he got traded to Tampa Bay. Who? Carl? Yeah. So oh. a fake Pierre, a fake a fake Pierre Lebrun Twitter account tweeted out that he was traded to Tampa Bay. And check your I, sources. I guess the tweet, uh, the fake Twitter account looked pretty legit, and they were people were freaking out at Sportsnet apparently. So this is only the first of many moves that we can expect Pierre Dorian to make in the next eleven days here, leading up to the trade deadline. But in terms of this one, short term we'll start with, and long term, Brandon, are the Sens a better team? Starting with what? Short term or short long term, term? Short term. Short term, no. Uh, I think Dion, you know, he, he didn't really move the needle too much either way, but he, he was a steady guy. And Jared, we talked about this off air. You knew what you were going to get from Dion Phaneuf. But the biggest thing for me is this finally puts an end to that terrible second pairing of Phaneuf and CeCe. And Marion Gabrick was a healthy scratch and didn't really play much for the Kings. So it's not like... It's not like plugging him into the lineup, and by the way, he's going to play first line with Duchesne and Hoffman, it looks like. It's not like that moves the needle uh, intensely for the Ottawa Senators either. Like like you said off the top, this wasn't a hockey deal. For the Kings, it was a little bit to bolster their blue line heading into the playoffs, add some veteran experience, add some size. But Assuming they make the playoffs, they're right there in that Pacific with... So many teams at about 60-odd points there. But that's why they had to make, they had to do something. They had to push them over. And bigger teams out west kind of fits Dion's style a little bit better. It's no secret he's lost a step or two since his days in Calgary and even Toronto. But he's still um, got his size. He still has his size, and he can still lay a hit. I think the game against Pittsburgh, he had to have known there was something in the works. That was the worst game he's played all season. Uh, a couple of really bad giveaways that led directly to goals. Terrible net front coverage, but... Um, I guess another good question then would be, what's your uh, your favorite Dion Phaneuf memory as an Ottawa Senator? There, there is one that kind of stands out. Well, Ross, since you came to me first, I'm going to cop out and take the easy answer to that overtime winner against Boston. And I, I was watching that uh, by myself. It was an afternoon game. I was fired up. And his celly, that little, I don't know what you call it, it was just like a little jump. That really fired me up. Like, that's a weird celebration, but it was just like in the moment. So genuine. Yeah, exactly. So genuine. And I'll, I'll, I'll like, I can see it in my head right now. I'll always remember that celly. I'll always remember Dion for hitting in particular. Yeah. The he had some Dion, good hits Calgary's in that Pittsburgh moments. series. That Pittsburgh series Ooh. was against Brian him. Rust. There was two was hits in the same, same game. game. Both, yeah. yeah. Open ice, massive hits. Too bad they didn't go on to win the series, but those were... The biggest hits Dion laid out as a senator, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, oh, it definitely was. And he had one in the first game he played in Ottawa. And who can forget, I'll take his first game back in Toronto where he fought Colin Greening, of all people, dropped the gloves with him. And 
That was great. And uh, we mentioned the word genuine, and it seems like he is a genuine guy. People in the media in Ottawa were, were unsure what to expect of Dion when he came to the to the Senators, and it was nothing but positive as a person on the ice, off the ice. Uh, here's what he had to say uh, after the trade. First, I wanted to, to really thank the Ottawa Senators and the organization and my teammates. The, they've got a really good group of guys here. What we went through last year as far as we went, I'll never forget that as a player. And uh, I've got I've got fond memories of, of playing in Ottawa, but now I'm I'm excited to, to be going to, to the Los Angeles Kings. And it's uh, it's going to be a, a real good experience for me to, to be able to join that team. I'm looking forward to doing whatever I can and, and playing the style that, that I have to play to help them uh, be successful. So LA is getting a hell of a pro, if nothing else, and they're also bolstering their faceoff. Uh, Nate Thompson can still contribute in that sense, but I like what Ottawa did in the secondary part of this trade. Nick Shore, 25-year-old. Funny enough, the Ottawa Senators actually drafted his younger brother, Quinton Shore, in the sixth round in 2014, but never signed him. Uh, Nick Shore has played three years now in the National Hockey League. Kind of a two-way to, two-way centerman, he was saying, but uh, he'll start tonight with... Uh, Ryan DeZingle and Colin White, Guy Boucher saying he wanted to put him with some good players, some speed, and see how he can react. But Colin White was on that top line, as you mentioned, where Gabrick will fit in. Is that how you would have configured the lines here going in? Definitely not, because I really liked White's chemistry with Hoffman and Duchesne. Even though he's uh, a centerman, he was playing really well on the wing with them. But the thing with Gabrick is he's a guy similar to Bobby Ryan, where... He can only play as well as his line mates are. And that's why he really struggled. Well, obviously, he struggled in L.A. because of uh, injuries and he's getting up there in age. But he struggled in L.A. this year because they, they had him slotted in the fourth line or just a healthy scratch. Whereas if he's with guys that can get him the puck in open space, I don't know. I I, I would at least give it a shot. So I don't mind seeing this, especially up against a weaker team like the Buffalo Sabres. I don't mind seeing what Gabbert can do if you get, get him the minutes. I just... I just hate to see White playing down there because he had such good chemistry. I think they're going to give Gabrick the best chance to be successful early, and if it's not going to work, they're going to try to move him right away. I was, again, talking to Roger, who knows a thing or two about the Senators, and that seems like it might be a move if you can get any sort of pick for him, if someone's willing to take on that salary. Otherwise, if he goes down at any point the rest of the series or season, don't be surprised if he goes down uh, forever with the Senators, at least Joffrey Lupul-esque. But I'm not on the mindset that uh, Gabrick was acquired because it was a better buyout, which it is. But the Senators are notorious for absolutely hating buying out players. And you know what? You've got them. And we all know the potential that Gabrick has had. He had an incredible career behind him. He has a, or, or, sorry, if I could speak English. He has over 400 goals, which is not not bad. Exactly. And also the most legendary flip over your boy Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. That was a good one. Um, but you know what? Give Gabrick a shot. Like, why not? And you can buy him out whenever you want. You're saving, you're saving money on this deal. You might as well give him a shot. That's what I'm saying. That's probably why he's on the first line. <laughs> give him the best shot possible. Otherwise... Do what you got to do. And injuries have slowed him down. It's been groin and knee problems. And for a guy whose explosiveness was his best trait throughout the years, it's kind of a good thing, I think, starting him with Hoffman and Duchesne, two guys with speed to burn, and just see if if they can pick up his pace a little bit. And if he can get into a rhythm and, and start feeling good about his game, get some confidence back, because let's be honest, 
being traded after being a healthy scratch for four times in the last five games, a guy with over a thousand games played, his confidence can't be very high tonight. So if they can find him a way to get on the scoreboard, a la Alex Burrows last year, coming in and scoring two goals in his first game, if they can get that confidence back, I think this could be a, a nice story if they can rejuvenate his career. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you you can't you can't look at Gabrick as a rental right now because. He's got years and term on his contract, just just plain and simple like that. But I would I would just like to see him gain some chemistry with some players and just see if something clicks, just just for the sake of trying. I mean, it we said it wasn't a hockey deal, and it wasn't. But why why not see what you got? Play around with it. And uh, just kind of a personal note, but growing up, uh, I lived across the street from the Slovakian embassy, and there's a. Libor, my my good buddy, was uh, was my age, and I got to meet Marion Hosa and and Zdeno Chair, and uh, now it's kind of funny. Five of the top eleven Slovak-born players will have scored, will have played for the Ottawa Senators. You got Marion Hosa in third with three hundred and ninety points with Ottawa. Peter Bondra, Marion Gabrick, Pavel Dimitra, and Zdeno Chera. So quite the uh, laundry list of solid solid hockey players. Uh, from Slovakia, who have played for the Ottawa Senators. And getting to the front office now, uh, they kind of buried the lead in the press release, re-signing Pierre Dorian to a three-year extension. Kind of an interesting time to be doing that. I would have waited to see how this plan, because it was the system last year, and now this year Pierre Dorian has made it clear it's the plan. But also, the president stepped down. Yeah, Tom Anselmi, kind of out of the blue. The Senators had just um, come out, or Eugene Melnick had just come out and said, we, our little Breton group and the NCC have come to a deal. They signed the contracts to start negotiating. Who's going to start providing the funds for this 3 to $4 billion redevelopment? They brought Tom Anselmi in last year. We did the pod about it. Uh, he was the guy who was in charge of the ACC building downtown Toronto. So he was the guy with the experience to build a new arena. All of a sudden, just a week or so, or maybe two weeks after this uh, supposed deal goes down, he steps down and... I haven't heard anything else about it. Yeah, and that's the weird thing. I wanted to comment on that, uh, Jer, is wasn't the only and main reason Anselmi was brought in was because he had built a new arena in Canada and he he had gone through that process and that was his vision? It wasn't, wasn't that the main reason he was brought in? And now all of a sudden there's some light at the end of the tunnel and it's looking like this LeBreton Flats thing isn't just uh, a myth or a dream. It's actually looking like it could happen. Why then are you changing courses in your fr- your front office when when you had this in place and it looked like a plan all along? Well, I would imagine that this wasn't a dismissal. I would imagine that Tom Amselmi resigned, resigned rather. Yeah, so. so that's what it was. He he stepped down. Yeah, and there's another rumor that he was as a punishment not brought on the Sweden trip, and I don't think that's a how you treat the president of your team, and b. As a punishment for leaking it? No, for low ticket sales, for the schedule. Oh, because remember when they brought him in, he accidentally leaked. In the very first press conference with Tom, he accidentally leaked the fact that they were going to Sweden. And Melnick was like, way to go, bud. That that was pretty funny. Like, first impression, like, whoops. Yeah, we didn't see much of him as a, a figure and... Something that'd be really interesting is, and I think it would go a long way to healing the relationship that Melnick doesn't have with the fan base right now, is reach out to Surreal Leader, tell him you made a mistake, and see if he'll come back. Because if Eugene Melnick takes over as the president, CEO, and owner of this team, that's not going to help his relationship. Maybe Pierre Dorian will be the 
chief scout to GM, president? Well, they already have Guy Boucher basically as the pro scout, but an interesting note is that between Di Domenico being placed on waivers and Nate Thompson being included in the FNUF trade, is this kind of Pierre Dorian taking away a few of Boucher's toys? Uh, a little bit, and I think that must have been part of the the quote-unquote, as we're calling it now, the plan of Dorian, is you can't, you can't appease to your coach like this, especially when it's costing you real dollars. And that's another thing with this trade. Usually in a trade, I don't even consider the real dollar amounts. That's not something I'm focused on. But for the Ottawa Senators, the cap hit what is not what they're worried about. It's the real dollars. So you need to move some of Boucher's toys around when they're expensive and they don't produce, and that's what Nate Thompson was. Tom Pyatt's still on the roster, if you're wondering. But Tom Pyatt's making $1.1 million and doesn't have uh, any any sort of clauses with his contract or anything. I can see here on the rundown you got, Dito went down, what happens to Burroughs after the suspension? Here's something that Melnick can do to make everyone in Ottawa a little bit more pleased with his situation. Buy him out. Just buy out Burroughs as soon as he gets back. Are you seriously going to consider having a guy who's, what is racial slurs, biting people, now kneeing people in the back of the head with 10-game suspension, and you're still going to keep him on the team when he's not even pro- um, he, providing he also, any offense? And he's making more money than Thompson. Yeah, he also pulled Duncan Keith's hair uh, just to... There you go. Like, it's... Really? Like, we were all kind of confused about this guy's character when they brought him onto the team. He scored a couple goals early that made us kind of shut up about it, but now he's not scoring goals. He's back to his old greasy self and but th- but that's just a thing. year left when the sends brought him in we obviously none of us are uh gonna try to uplift burrow's character and respect around the league i think it's well known where he sits but it's always nice when those kind of gritty ratty players play for your team so that was kind of a silver lining like we've got one of these pests we've got one of these annoying players he doesn't do that. And if he does do it, it's in ridiculous way, ways like going, chasing down Hall, going full MMA on Hall with multiple knees to the head. It's just and strictly because he was butt hurt because Hall dumped him. Yeah. And that's not the kind of guy you need on this roster. And I thought it was hilarious when Boucher said, you know, if uh, this this was a reoccurring thing with this player, we, we would take it more seriously. But it's not. What have you not seen, Burroughs? Yeah, pass? it's like, not reoccurring we, in the last year. We just he's rattled been with off five different things that he's done, and I'm sure there's more that we don't even know about. So I'm with you, Jer. If you're gonna if you're gonna finally uh, go the buyout route, that's a cheap, easy one. It's not even gonna cost you that much, and just just get a guy like that out of your locker room. You're trying to change the culture of this organization. Burroughs is not a guy that you want leading that change. No, not at all, and uh, this, the days are being counted until his exit from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, just a quick look around the prospects. Drake Bastin's still doing what he's doing, putting up a ton of points, as is Logan Brown, who's up to 16 points in seven games. They with had a good Kitchen night last Rangers. night. He's killing it for the Rangers. I mean, that Rangers team is stacked, and Logan Brown playing in the a- or, uh, OHL just doesn't seem fair. He's just so massive. He doesn't even have to skate that fast. He can just plow through guys. So great to see him having some success in the junior. Yeah, he just level. got he just got his 40th point of the season last night to tie his season high last year. Of course, he missed lots of time with injury last 
Uh, he played 35 games. Missed some time this year with injuries too, though. 22 games and 40 points, so almost at wow. two points a game. So uh, interesting to see Logan Brown and what that means for the Senators going forward. Pierre LeBrun reporting that Derek Broussard could be one of the guys on the move and for a hefty price. So I, I wonder how closely, how close Pierre Dorian believes Logan Brown is to being a top six forward in the National Hockey League. Well. I don't know. It, it's tough when you've got a guy who's still playing in junior to try to pencil him into your roster within a year or even two years down the road. That's that's tough for me. And I, I don't like seeing players make that jump unless they're exceptional. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big Logan Brown fan, but I don't think he's that exceptional that he's able to make that jump. But you you kind of have to start gearing up for the future, especially with contracts like Broussard and uh, Duchesne expiring soon you really have to make your decisions now whether you think your young guys as in Colin White and Logan Brown can fill those center positions or if you need to lock those guys down we will soon find out as the NHL's trade deadline is February 26th which is 11 days away a big game tonight enormous even in terms of the tank the Ottawa Senators hosting the Buffalo Sabres without Jack Eichel, who that's a big tank acquisition to the injured list. Jack Eichel will miss potentially the rest of the year with an ankle sprain. That's all for us from the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto. From the CSM studios, I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller and Jeremy Hewson. We'll see you next time on Making Sense of the Sens. Gather round.